0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another week of Selective Hearing. I'm so excited to be here with you today and my special guest, her name is Atusa and we are going to just break down all kinds of things regarding generational trauma
1: and healing. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. A little bit about me, make it short and sweet. I am recognized as a Shaman, transformational healer, spiritual guide, now best-selling author, uh, poet, digital artist, all nice little titles that I have collected over the years. But mainly what it comes down to is that I help people uh, release their past traumas, their triggers that go along with those past traumas so that they live a more fulfilled life a more more heart-centered life and from that space then they trust life and the flow of life so they can get all those things that they're wishing for their relationships their money their jobs all those outside things then they're open and trusting that in divine time in divine order what's best for them is flowing to them and they're just open to receive it at that point so that's it in a nutshell.
0: Well, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you today. I believe like there's three things like for me that are involved in making sure that your overall health is intact. And those things are your spiritual and your physical and your mental self. I like to keep them into three different categories because I feel like it's almost like a child. Like you have to give each of your children. They're all different, even though they all come from you. They're all different They all have their own personalities and their own things that make them unique. So I nurture each component and I keep them separate because I feel like they each need their own special attention. That's one thing that I find that helps me. And I feel like your spiritual health is just as important as your mental health and your physical health. We're going to talk a lot about trauma today, everyone, just so you know. But I wanted to know if there was a difference between generational trauma and individual trauma. And if there is a difference between the two, what is that?
1: There isn't really a difference in that trauma. You were mentioning about the different bodies. We got to come to an understanding that we are these energy forms in this physical bodies. And once we sort of realize that there is more to life and there's more to our being other than this physical reality and this physical form and connect with that energy form, then we get to see the whole purpose of us coming into these physical form or part of it is that connection back to our hearts, our love, our spirit, which is complete love. In doing that, we understand the purpose is that not only we're, as we're releasing these traumas that we have built over this lifetime, but we're also carrying it from the generations before us, from our parents, their parents, their parents, and so far it goes back, and understanding that our world today is the way it is because of those traumas that has been passed down And each trauma is fear-based and it just continues, that fear continues and it's taken us away from that unconditional love and the love of spirit and the love in our hearts. So it is the same, also like a little bit bigger than that. And it's again, coming back to our DNAs, even if you want to think about it that way, you know, science, everybody now confirms, okay, Everything's passed down to us from DNA, all your diseases. And now they're talking about, okay, the cause of diseases are your emotional, mental health. So if you think about it that way, then all those things that's passed down in your DNA was caused by somebody, your parents, their emotional traumas, their physical traumas, and from their parents before them. So that's how that emotional, physical traumas has been passed down in the DNA into you. So when you're saying, you know, "Mm, the heart disease goes in my family or blood pressure, high blood pressure goes in my family, cancer is in my family, all those things, you're basically saying those emotional, mental traumas that are with those diseases has been passed down.
0: That was actually something on my list was how does like this generational trauma manifest into families? And you literally just explained to us how I heard something in a reel. I actually heard it a couple times, which was crazy. It was the same person, but it was like different reels that kept popping up in my timeline. And he kept saying like, "Dis ease in your life equals disease. And I've never heard it like put that way. Like, and I'm like, just gosh, like I think about, When I was going through a lot after I had my second son, like I my body felt so crazy and I was under so much stress. He was a pandemic baby. like He was in the NICU, like you name it. We got hit with it. Like he came two months early after having him. Like, I honestly feel like he came early because of the pressure I was under during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my body wasn't a safe place for him and he had to escape. That was like the one thing. So then I blamed myself a lot for him coming early. After that, I went through God knows how much like postpartum, you, like I said, you name it, mm-hmm. I had it. And then that's when like my doctors started telling me like, oh, I think you have lupus um, or Addison's or RA. And then that's that sent me down a road to like a thousand you know endocrinology rheumatology blood work this doctor neurology like you name it i was in it it literally took me pulling myself back like okay now you got to go on medication you have to do this and me saying i don't want that for my life like i i can't have that for my life it took me pulling myself back and being like what's going on internally where your body is just a wreck and i had to start like working on that and coming through that and now i go to see all my i have a team of doctors rheumatology endocrinology everybody and they can't find anything wrong
1: yeah no i i it's totally that way and and you know um i talk about this in my book for myself you know i was diagnosed with a lot of stuff and i come From a family that, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, even a bit of cancer goes in our family early on. You know, when I was much younger, they diagnosed me with lists. I have a whole list of things. And every time the doctor said something, even at that age, I was like, nah, I know this is all internal. Like something in me knew, like, that's not it. This is all me. And... I don't have any of it. I mean, one of the main things I always tell people, like I had arthritis that was so bad. I mean, even like in my early teens, they said, you know, you have rheumatoid arthritis and I knew it wasn't and I wasn't taking any medication But it would come and go. And during like when my divorce, job problems, everything was happening all at the same time. I had so much pain in both of my arms that literally those, there's these salon pause patches that those with arthritis probably know. And I would get them from Costco. That's how much I needed to use them. And I would put one on each finger and all over my hand, like from top of my hand until, you know, midway through my arms, it was like both hands, it was salon paw patches. And that's how I could fall asleep. I knew like, okay, this is all internal stuff. And it was part of it was because of I had so much fear and anxiety about life from early on that I wanted to control everything and that wanting to control and grab on to everything had caused this arthritis in my hands and you know now for many years now no pain nothing hands fingers move and no patches inside
0: it's funny how that works right like Mm -hmm. (laughs) well I feel like there's two things because I feel I have there's like two ends of the coin with this with me but I feel like we are starting to come around as people and understand the importance of our mind and how mm-hmm. powerful it is and how much what is going on in our, our heads, how that affects everything, how it starts with affecting everything, I should say. And then there's this other part of me where it's like people really don't take it serious how effective your thoughts can be in manifesting anything in your life, good or bad, or you know, sickness and health all of that. In like your experiences with dealing with helping people release, you know, and heal from generational trauma, what are some of like the common origins and what type of transformational healing approaches do you use?
1: The traumas that I've helped with releasing with my clients, abuse, whether physical, sexual abuse. Both the abuser and the person that was abused, I've dealt with both actually. It's interesting, the people that have abused, they were also abused themselves. When you look at that in the generation, that being abused and being the abuser goes back into past generations. That's one of the main things. Money. Like the lack of money, not feeling good enough has nothing to do with the amount of money people have. I mean, they could feel like they could be rich and they would still feel like they're not good enough and they don't have enough. That goes back into generations as well you know that was one of my things again I've talked about in the book I give you an example for myself which is also true for others my family comes from a lot of wars and uh, losses and the money you know status whatever taken away because of those wars or change in power and that's one of the things you see a lot like I've worked with my clients And also, again, different segregation, like whether you're female, male, you know, a lot of race issues. That's also passed down from generation to generation. And the way I work with them is at the same time that I'm helping them release that trauma, I have different modalities that I use. Um, Some of it is like shamanic healing. Some of it is the tools that I've created over the years. And um, we go back to sort of connect to those parts inside of them to release it. But then I use my shamanic healing tools to go back into generations and release that. So it's like going back and releasing it as well as we're doing it at this timeline.
0: So before I ask you about your book and we start getting into the book and how the book applies to all of this. What does it mean to be a shaman? Because and I'm asking that question for me because I I've heard of it and I've heard of it in the context of seeing on TV shows and you see people, you know, um go to shamans for shaman healing and things like that. I don't know how much of what I've seen on TV is real or not. So, um, for me and anyone else out there who does not know, what does this mean?
1: So, right now, actually, funny enough, it's used a lot out there. there are a lot of people that use it say they're shamans. Um, but the origin of shamanism comes from Siberia. The definition of a shaman is um, partly that they connect with nature and communicate with nature that's a big source of their guidance and tools that they use is nature elements and then it's a way of communicating with sort of the different spirit realms. In shamanic term. they break it down into upper world, lower world, middle world. It has nothing to do with hell, heaven, or earth. It has nothing to do with good or bad like that. It's just which realm do you go to to communicate with what type of spirits? And you basically are a conduit to communicate and receive a message or receive a tool or be shown how to help the individual that's there with you. And, um, you know, and that healing tools could be, again, you can use, they show you what natural elements to use to help. They show you maybe you can do it through your own voice or is just simply bringing a message or bringing a gift to the person. So it's it's a very it's very very spiritual. Very. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And you got to as one of the main things for a shaman is that when you are doing that, you really have to be clear and clean conduit. Meaning like when I'm bringing something to a client, I'm not bringing anything of me, myself. It's not like my opinion or my sort of my own traumas. Or So I really have to be a clean conduit so that I'm receiving and giving it in the way it's meant to be.
0: That sounds like it's It can be like a lot. So what do you do this? I know this isn't in the package, but I'm so intrigued by this. So what do you do to like, because you're human as well. So like, how do you, you know, stay grounded and keep yourself in a space where you're able to serve others on that level?
1: I have a space in my home, my studio, my sanctuary that I see clients. It's interesting enough, as soon as actually people walk into my Door for the house, not even in the space. They immediately, it's like something in them, it just tells them, like, okay, this is a safe space. And as soon as they walk into my sanctuary, it's just like they're really vulnerable and they let it all come out. The reason for that is that when I walk into here, it's like I leave everything behind at the door. Like, and I, it's hard to put into words, but I just like, I come into like this space that I'm pure love and whoever walks in here, I treat them, you know, there's no good, bad, whatever they're coming to me is a space of love here for them and nurturing. And that's it. And I leave all that out. And for my own grounding, um, I pretty much in state of, I would say meditation, uh, probably 24 seven, I would say because like even if I wake up in the middle of the night and something wants to trigger me, I can immediately like observe it and ground and be fine and not go into it. So that's it. I use like my own. I have different meditation types. I use I spend a lot of time with nature in nature.
0: I recently um, started. Well, I won't even say recently because like I, I don't like shoes but I was reading about the benefits of like grounding. So I live in Michigan. It's cold here the majority of the time. So I have to take advantage of spring and summer. So most of the year, if it's nice outside, I'm outside with my shoes off. And um, I found that to be something that has been extremely helpful for me in my journey. And my two-year-old is so cute because, okay, so my five-year-old, he's like, mom, we need shoes. Like, where's my shoes? <laughs> but my two-year-old will just walk outside with no shoes on and follow me around. Or if we get outside and he sees me taking my shoes off, or if he sees I'm taking the blankets outside and stuff like that, he just goes outside with no shoes now. He's kind of um, picking up on things that I do and starting to do them as well. My five-year-old, he's never been that way. He's kind of like, no, there's bugs on the ground, mom. I'm not going outside without shoes. (laughs) But it's really, really cute. So please um, tell us about your book. Like, what's the name of your book? What's the book about? Where can we get it? All that great stuff.
1: Uh, The book, the name of the book is Change Yourself, Change the World. And the subtitle is Transform Your Life from Fear-Based Living to Choosing Love and Seeing Magic. I put a lot of my own story in there of how I transformed the trauma in my life and seeing that it all had purpose. And I've broken it down into, I think, 13 chapters where each chapter I go into how you can start going inside and transforming your fears And what would that be look like? Give a lot of examples. And then at the end, there's takeaways, there are practice exercises. I also included uh, some stories from my clients as well. But my hope really for this book is that for whoever picks it up to see that it's easier to go inside and sit with those parts and that they're not alone. There are a lot of people out there experiencing, feeling the same way. And that even if you change one thing, that change is going to have an impact and it's going to have an impact, not just for you, but for the people around you. And that's how the ripple effect of this change that we're all making is gonna go out into the world and we will shift it Um, so and that's my hope for the book really is to get more people to shift and change and you can get it on amazon it's available on digital format on paperback as well and for those local in the dc metro area i do have a um book signing at one of the local bookstores. It's called Kensington Row Bookshop. And I want to support a lot of more local bookstores as well. So that's the first one. Hopefully I'll find more.
0: Okay. You hear that everybody. So get over to Amazon and get the book. And if you're in DC, at the end of the show, I'll have all your information in the show notes and I'll have you um, on my website's resource page. And I'll go over that again for you guys at the end of the show. But You can find the book signing and you can go and you can get your book signed. And if you're in D.C., get me one, too, and send it to me. (laughs) Go to the book signing and get me one and send it to me and I'll send you a coffee (laughs) mug.
1: I like that.
0: So I want to talk about like awareness. What role does that play in in all of this?
1: Ooh, that's the first one. That's a major yeah. one. Awareness—that is true form of meditation. When I was saying earlier that I'm meditating twenty-four-seven, it's not that I'm sitting and going mm, the whole time. It's more of I am aware of anything that is coming up to sort of like any character that I've played in this life, in for the outside whatever shows up i'm completely aware of it and that's what awareness does when you become aware that right now i'm getting triggered okay instead of ha- blaming this trigger on something someone whatever is happening on outside i'm going to bring it back in and become aware of where did this trigger started what is this trigger telling me? Why is it triggering? So all those questions, you go back inside and you find that part and you can communicate with it and see it. Even if you don't do anything about it, that just seeing it and being aware of it. Next time it gets triggered again, you're like, oh, this is like, you know, it's like you, ha- you have a two year old temper tantrums, you know, that's the thing. And as a mom, you know, you don't go when your child is tantruming. You don't go, it's like, oh, please, quiet down. You don't give it too much attention. You're like, babe, love you. When you're done, come, let's have a chat. But I'm letting you do your thing. You're good. All is good. Mom is just here. Mom's doing her thing. You do your thing. And that's how it is. That's how triggers are. You know, think of them as your temper tantruming kid that you're not going to go give it more energy and attention. You see it, it's there. You know, it might be even bothersome at times, but you're not going to feed it anymore. And that's what awareness does in a nutshell. And it's very important. It's the first step. And, you know, I. Again, in the book, I talk about that as like one of the major things. Mm -hmm. And I also have practice exercises that how to help yourself start becoming more aware.
0: For me, I have like this, I have a battle with self-talk. And that is like, that's a real thing for me. It's a, I just finished writing a book about it. So in in the whole thing with my journey with negative self-talk, I know now, like when I go through certain things, like I can recall what is pushing me into
1: that. Exactly.
0: So it's like in the, I'll, I'll give everybody an example of it. For me, I, every time I have a, when I do pre-interviews, I'm never nervous. Like, I'm so excited to meet you guys. I can't wait to find out, like, is this going to work? Are you going to be a guest? The morning of interviews, I'm extremely Nervous. I don't know why. Like, and then I, I calm down. Then I get nervous with the name thing and then I, I fall back into my role. But this morning, in particular, so like everybody's sick. My son's in kindergarten, you guys, you know, school germs are after us. <laughs> so, like, my two year old's sick, That's my five year old's sick, my husband's sick. I wake up scratchy and I'm like, it's 6 30 in the morning. I'm like, if the boys are sick and Brian is sick, I'm going to have to cancel everything. This is how I'm talking to myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Elijah's been going to school sick for the past couple days. He's fine. This is how I have to redirect that energy. And I'm like, Zion's been running around with a runny nose for the past couple days. He's fine. Brian's been going to work every day. He's fine. You get up, make a tea, go through your process of everything you do, get your show notes, prepare and go do your interview. You are doing this. You have been doing this. You're not backing off now. But there's been this thing in me where every time I get ready to do something, I self-sabotage. And I used to be very successful at doing that to myself. Now I'm successful at not doing it. But it was because I used to tell myself, like, you're not good enough or you're not worthy or all these things or you're bad or you can't do that. Or who do you think you are? And that's because that's how people used to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So anytime, and even though I'm on this journey, everybody, like this is just me kind of showing like, it's still, it's a journey. It never goes away, but how you handle it is what changes.
1: But it's getting better. And I'm sure it's getting better over time. And you said it, it's that awareness that you start having, you became aware of this part that. You know, she's used to people talking to her that way. She's used to, if everybody told me I'm not good enough, then I'm not good enough. That's how she got that in her. And what I'm talking about, she, that part of you. And you became aware of that part. So every time she gets triggered and she's getting nervous, you go and talk to her. It's like, okay, we're not going to do this, you know, calm you basically are walking her we're going to go we're going to get ready we're going to shower we're going to have our coffee we're going to calm down and then we're going to start and then again when she gets nervous again she's like okay come here we're going to look this is good this is working so you're doing that in a way with that awareness of her and you know and i'm sure as you're doing more shows it's getting less and less and less and at some point It's not going
0: to be there anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 40 shows for anyone that lets negative self-talk affect their day. 40 shows for season one. And now we are season two. And this is my first guest. So if I listened to, I named her Monica, by the way, everybody. (laughs) I'm like, if I listened to Monica, when she shows up, I wouldn't be sitting here in a position to put beautiful guests in front of you to help you on your journey and I, I feel like every time I sit with one of you, I learn something new. And I walk away with something better every single time. Like So I'm in the seat a lot of the time with my listeners because I learned I learn from you guys. And like I love you all. So.
1: And look, even with Monica, you have a book out there too. You're doing this great work with this podcast. You have a book. So thank you.
0: Thank you. I want to ask you about... Someone who may be in the beginning stages of wanting to seek resources to, for help, but they don't really know what's going on with them. And I say that because like, I had so much going on, but I didn't know what any of it was because... I was conditioned to feel like this, all this dysfunction and chaos in my life was actually normal. Like when someone wants to start or they're unsure, they don't know, like, do I need to heal or what is this in my life? Like, what advice would you give to someone in that very beginning raw stage?
1: Don't be afraid to sit with yourself. We have been conditioned to run around like crazy, to keep ourselves busy, whether it's with social media, work, house, kids, uh, relationship, everything on the outside. We keep ourselves busy with all these distractions on the outside so that we don't spend time going inside. Because we're afraid of going inside, afraid of what we're gonna find, afraid of seeing those parts, afraid of sitting with it and what they're gonna bring out. Even the emotions. People are afraid well, if I go sit with it, my depression's gonna come out. If I go sit with it, my anxiety's gonna come out. Those anxieties and depressions, they're there because you're not willing to go inside and sit with it. You're numbing yourself. So that's my first advice is don't be afraid to go inside, sit with yourself. And when you're sitting, you're going in with love. Self-love, everybody's self-love is that, oh, I get my manicures and pedicures. And, you know, I take care of my skin and I go for massages. I go for walks. I go for exercise. That's all great. But that kind of self-love is for more outside what kind of self-love are you doing for yourself for the inside and that's what i mean that you go from a loving space sit with yourself go inside to all those parts and really love on all those parts and hurt hurt parts and there's plenty of help out there Funny
0: because I'm watching all these clips back for social media, and I said like a few episodes ago when you're seeking resources, it can be something as small as starting with a book. Yeah. It can like be that first stepping stone into okay, now I read this book. Now I have a general understanding of what this is or what this could be. Now I can take the next step and I can reach out to a life coach or a therapist or a shaman, someone who can help me. Because like another thing that I want you all to understand is I know there's like an abundance with the internet of (laughs) resources out there and that can become overwhelming too. So it's important for you to also take the time to find what works for you. Who's gonna be the best coach for me or do I need two coaches? How many books should I read before I even start moving in that direction? Do I need traditional talk therapy? Are you, you have to find out who you are. Are you a very spiritual person? You, reaching out to a shaman will be very good for you. Are you a very Christian person? Meet, re, reaching out to a faith-based person life coach Mm may be best for you are you a very physical person acupuncture there's so many different things but in order to find out what tools are going to work for me am i going to need this one and this one in combination to kind of get there you have to know who you are or start be get it start to get that general understanding of who you are and recognizing your needs perfect yes perfect so uh okay I'm going to before because, you know, I have to ask you the big show questions so you can tell everybody (laughs) your beautiful answer. Before I go there, like I just kind of went through uh, about supporting yourself from your perspective. How can listeners support themselves on this journey? Because I know like we need help and we need, I will say, like other systems outside of ourselves, you know. So Mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give a listener about supporting themselves and um, surrounding themselves with a safe uh, social circle that can help with that as well.
1: Definitely one of the main things is start speaking from your eye place. Again, that's one of the practice exercises in the book as well. And start speaking from your eye space means that when you're talking to the people around you, you're not pointing the finger at them. You're sort of, it brings you back to that awareness. And it also tells everybody where you're at. Meaning like, I am feeling this way at this moment. And feeling this way is making me even more anxious. And, you know, right now I even have physical pain. Or I need this right now because I'm feeling this way. I want this right now because of this reason. So everything is you are just saying where you at. You're giving everybody a description of what is going on inside that they're not seeing or perceiving and what you're perceiving at this moment because of where you're at. And that by itself brings you back again in you and sort of makes you calm down in you. Like, okay, I said it out loud. You know, the world did not fall apart. And look, I'm asking for support and now everybody also knows like I'm in the space and either like I'm telling them, give me space or I'm saying, come give me a hug. And you're asking basically in that I statement and people are acknowledging that. So I think that's one of the main things that you can start finding that safe space within the outside world. There are people when you're in your social circle, especially those people that you feel safer, it's better to talk that way. Because a lot of times when you get into those areas, people just want to help, but they don't know how to help. Or they're doing too much and you don't want them to do anything. Like when I was going through stuff, I had to actually say, hey, I just need to say these things out loud. And I don't want you to do anything about it. There is nothing to fix I just need to say it out loud and I just need someone to hear it. So when you're that specific and you're talking from that I place, people are like, oh, OK, That that's then what I'm going to do, because, you know, I don't need to do anything else. That would be my best advice in those situations.
0: So I'm going to ask you my favorite big show question. Mm-hmm. And that is what does selective hearing mean to you?
1: Selective hearing to me, actually, it uh, it's funny because it means somebody, if you're hearing just what you want to hear, it means that something's been triggered and it's turning off. Something, it's like there's a fear that you don't want to hear something, acknowledge something. There is some sort of fear that's happening at that moment that sort of making you look the other way and saying, la, 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 la I'm not hearing that. mm-hmm. That's so, and when that fear is triggered, you kind of go, so like we talked about earlier, take that fear's hand, say, I love you. It's okay. Let's go see what we can hear in this. What's in this for us that we're not willing to hear? Let's go hear it.
0: I agree with that big reason why I named the show Selective Hearing. <laughs>
1: We nice. all, yeah, I, I like feel
0: like everyone can connect to it. We've all been there and we all still go through that. So please share um, how my audience can connect with you. And again, everything that is getting ready to be said will also be in the show notes, but I want you to hear it. Okay.
1: Uh, My website is the best place, uh, which is my first name, last name.com, AtusaRaisian.com. I'm not going to spell it. She's going to be on her show notes. So go. But my website has all my social links, my email, my phone number. Do reach out. Um, I do believe the Amazon link might be on there as well. If not, you know, just search Change Yourself, Change the World and put my first name, Atusa. The book is going to pop up. You won't miss the cover. It's a, you know, that's one of my artworks and it's full of color. Um, But yeah, in social media, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, Those are the best ways also to find out more about me and get in touch with me.
0: Okay. And it will be in the show notes. And I will also have in the show notes a link to the book. So I will have all of that there. And then if you hit up the resource page, You can also, all you have to do is just click on her name, everyone, and you will go straight to her website. So if you don't want to mess around with the show notes, hit up my resources page, click on her name. Her picture is right there. You can't miss it. So I would like to say thank you for being a guest today.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you. I love this interview and thank you for the work that you do. It's a really blessing for everybody. You do you. Continue to do you. Thank you.
0: And everyone, until next week, this is Selective Hearing.